Today's episode is sponsored by Manscaped, and I have to tell you, the first time I ever had to do some manscaping, it did not go very well. Not even kidding. I was just using a pair of scissors and that was it. So these days, I have Manscaped's Lawnmower 3.0 instead to make that job quite a bit easier and make things look a lot nicer down below the belt. It also comes in an amazing perfect package that includes some spray-on deodorant, some spray-on ball toner, all of that, you name it, in a perfect little carrying case, as well as a bunch of other items you can purchase, whether it be breath mints, cologne, shave mats, you name it. They have you covered for all of your manscaping needs everywhere all over the body. Just head to manscaped.com and use code DNBR20 to get 20% off and free shipping. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time! Tipped in front by Mika Rantanen. He shoots and scores. Nathan McKinnon. Call JT Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits, my go-to shop for Breckenridge Brewery. I am Rudo. Joining me, as always, is AJ Hayfley, and we have another guest on for the show today, scout for Draft Geek Hockey, as well as occasional writer over at Burgundy Review, Nathan Chapman. Nathan, thank you for coming on. How you doing? Doing well. The Nathans unite in the writers' fans as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> green is the color. <laughs> <laughs> Always nice to have another Nathan on, especially one that likes talking prospects, which we will get to into a second, and that will be the majority of the show. Don't know when this will air, but when it's recording, Jerome McGinley just elected into the Hall of Fame. Curious what your guys' thoughts are on first of all the whole Hall of Fame class, but for the Avs specifically, the only player that ever played for them in this class was Jerome McGinley. Good for him. Yeah. He was well-deserving. Great guy. Um, You know, I'll always be biased towards him because he was so cool to me my first year, year and a half on the beat. And uh, just just an awesome dude. Really a big fan. And as a player, certainly deserving. Hosa getting in um, feels like that uh, the recency bias of – the end of his career with the championships and he was so beloved at the end that it felt like everybody was willing to overlook maybe some of the shortcomings in his resume and put him in. I don't really have any problem with him being in the hall. It's just that when you look at him in over some of the other guys, you, you start to wonder like, what's the case here? But I think I thought he was a hall worthy player. So if he gets it on his first try or his fifth try, I don't care. Happy for him to, to, to get in. Uh, Kevin Lowe, you know, great. The, ni- the 1980s Oilers certainly needed another guy to get into the Hall of Fame. So hopefully they're done at this point. But it's really I – don't, I don't feel strongly about the Hall ever. Yeah, as far Fair. as Iggy, I, there's a lot of Flames fans around here, and I love Iggy. He's the style of play I love, and 
he's a class act human being plus involved in the golden goal which for you guys is painful but for me it's a good thing <laughs> i've never been a big usa hockey fan you know it's honest. funny yeah. because like canadians are always like oh it sucks for you and it's like do you guys remember that olympics like the u.s wasn't expected to do much at all of finishing finishing second was like yeah this is this is actually pretty awesome it's just how they finished second that was yeah. a bummer but like otherwise like they were involved in one of the great hockey games that we've seen in the last 20 years i have no sad feelings about that game personally anyway iggy rocks yeah yeah pretty much nailed it um on to the bulk of this podcast, which is going to be the NHL draft. We'll be looking, basing things loosely off of Bob's list or the uh, Hockey Prospect Black Book, either one, if you want to follow along and pull up the list. But I'm sure we'll go off on a handful of tangents here, there, and everywhere else. Starting from the top, AJ and I have touched on this a little bit, uh, but Nathan, any surprise to see uh, Stutzel over Byfield at two on multiple of these lists? Not overly, even though I think Byfield will be hard to pass up that size, and Stutzel might be a winger. It just kind of depends on the team and the fit there, but Stutzel's high-end skating and IQ, where Byfield showed a little bit of IQ concerns a tad bit, so there's a tad bit of risk there, but you can't go wrong with either of them after Lafreniere. Yeah, for sure. I, I still just don't trust the DEL, man. That league is going to produce three first-rounders this year. It's gonna, and we're gonna see what the results of that are. Hey, Moritz Sider had a great first year <laughs> coming out of there, so like maybe <laughs> that's and worked well for Detroit. Maybe there, AJ. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe it's gonna maybe it's gonna be one of those places we we start to talk about. I mean. We watched the abs take like junior A kids like yeah, three years in a row. Definitely so fair. I guess I guess the stigma about the league guys play in has started to wear off on me a little bit. All right. All right. I don't have any good argument against that. So I guess the next question is especially over the last month or so during this this pandemic and no hockey going on, we've seen Jake Sanderson rise up quite a few lists and even on uh, hockey prospects list, they have him well ahead of Jamie Drysdale as the top defenseman in the class. What What's the big take here? I'm I've not huge fans of either of these two defensemen yeah. in the top five, to be honest with you. But why Sanderson over Drysdale? For me, it's kind of team fit. Drysdale's that offensive type, where with Sanderson, also Gooley and uh, Schneider, they're those throwback defensive defensemen who are kind of modern, modern-day Adam Foots who play at the hard minutes, can eat up 25 minutes a night, and you can rely on them to shut down the top lines, which, and they're getting harder to find nowadays, which is kind of, they might be a little overvalued. Like, I don't think they're top five worthy, maybe even top ten worthy, but they can, you can win cups with them. They're the playoff-type players, first regular season more like that. It's it's interesting because you look at most I think most of these guys and I don't look at any of them and think that they're like true like top Number pairing yeah. like you're gonna send them out there and like that's our horse right like if the Abs were to draft any of these guys I mean obviously they won't because they won't be in a position to but were they to draft any of these guys it'd be like uh, I don't really know where they fit you know. If you're if you're one of these teams looking to totally reboot a blue line and build around a guy, I don't like any of these guys. 
as guys that you build a blue line around. Like they're all, I think they all have a chance to be nice players, but I'm, I'm for me, I, I, I don't know that I would have any of the defensemen even in the top 12 or so this year. I just don't, I don't love any of these guys. Yeah. I, I think I would agree. I, I actually do really like the guys after Sanderson and Drysdale, but, you know, it becomes about pick value at a certain point then and where they're right. going. Like, but. like I like, I like Gouley and Schneider plenty, but it's like, I like them as middle first round guys, right. not top of the first. Right. And I'm, I'm one of these guys, one of those guys is going to get picked. I mean, after what we saw yeah. with, uh, with, with Cider last year, what yep. we saw with even a team trading up for Victor Soderstrom, like somebody is going to fall in love with one of those guys. And is going to come off the board. Like, Goulet is going to come off the board at, like, eight. And we're all going to be like, oh, okay. Especially with the Devils there. They desperately need defense. And they have two top ten picks, probably. So, I can see that maybe doubling up with a Sanderson and, like, a Snyder. And that would be, see, doing that, I think, would be great. Because then you're not sitting there saying, okay, we need this guy to be the our, our defenseman of the future. Yeah. You're saying, oh, hey, we just we just built our top pairing. We like both of these guys. Yeah, and that's, two bullets in the clip then. yeah, Right, like that's a much better way to go about it. And obviously if you have two top 10 picks, you know, that's the that's the luxury of life there. But um, I just, my struggle with the top defensemen in this class is I just don't see that like high, high end. All right. So Nathan, you are in the WHL neck of the woods up there in Canada. Gooley or Schneider, which one? That, that's tough. That's tough to pick. It's what's your favorite kid there. Okay. I think Gooley's a tad higher upside, but Schneider's a lot more polished and a lot more guarantees. And also, he's a right-hand defenseman, so that has a little bit more value. For the Avs, I'd slightly I lean Gooley, but you can't go wrong with either of them. Yeah, which is exactly why they won't be there when the Avs pick, yeah. unfortunately. But all right, I I, I could appreciate that. I. I struggle with the defensemen in this class because I wanted to get into a bunch of them and then it was just, oh, none of them will be there for the abs. Cool. Moving on with life. Well, and the ones when we start getting into the the 20 plus range where it's like, you know, any of these guys could be there. They're just so blah, man. Like you get into you get into like like William Wallander feels like the the happy medium between Upside yep. skills and draft value where you're like, it's this one guy. Yeah. Otherwise I don't like any of the defensemen late in the first round outside of that dude and would feel like the abs were overdrafting pretty much any of them. I agree. I done grants to that. I don't mind him, but yeah, there's no, I'm not pounding the table for any of them. I like the forwards a lot more who should be there. I think yeah. Grand Grands is ballpark, right? But yeah. it still feels like that's more of a second round pick than Grands. Grands feels like such vanilla ice cream yeah, to me. Exactly, just, exactly. I just it's you know <laughs> you have you have time for it on certain days, but it's just not it's it's not something that you get. Excited no one's about. you know clapping their hands and pumped that you draft Helga Grands. Like, right. It's the same reaction as when they draft Drew Hellison, where you're like, all right, cool. We'll see if this works. Yep. Just, you know, fast forward three years and ask me then how it's gone. Uh, until then, I have no opinion. And also the other right-hand defense in there, Baron, he's kind of a wild card because he had blood clots, which yeah. he might not even yeah. be able to play at mile high all year round. So right. medicals will be big with him. 
that's and I was a I was a big Baron fan going into the year, and it just just kept slipping. Like it just this wasn't a good year for him. That's uh, that's the way it goes. Some people's draft years are are yeah. tough, and in the, that's the type of guy where if teams pass on him and he's hanging around in the third round, you know maybe you take that shot because the chance that it works out is just too tantalizing to me. Yeah, but. And again, granted, the NHL will have presumably much more knowledge about their their physicals and doctors' visits and all of that. But in either way, as as we continue looking through this list, first of all, there's the Askarov conversation. Which I are you more of a goalie guy than us, Nathan? I don't really think so. But well, goalies are voodoo. But it's Askarov, and then there's nothing I'd take until like the fourth round. Okay, so big, big gap after yeah. Askarov. Yeah, and and where the where's Colorado system where Colorado system is right now means it's right. It's not something that they need to have a sense of urgency about. If he fell for their pick, I'd definitely take him because I think he's a I'm not quite carrier price level prospect, but at least a Spencer Knight level. Yeah, I mean, I mean if he got into the twenties, yeah. I would be I would yeah. be saying like, hey, they need to be having a conversation about trying to move up because. Yeah. Even even sudden, as much as you like yeah. Ananen, like that's just one more bullet in that gun, you know, where you're you have no idea. Like playing with the with the with the goaltenders, we can like what Adam Werner has done, you can like what Eustace Ananen has done, but you still have no idea what they're gonna be like as NHL players. Well, not only that, but if someone like Adam Werner might all of a sudden become expendable. Maybe next year he gets into a couple games and, and looks good and someone comes knocking. You can get some value that way, and then you still have Ananen and Askarov as truly high-end goaltender prospects. So. Yeah, kind of turn it into the farm system like what Washington has yeah, done. Exactly, where you know they had it was like it was like a, a decade straight where they were just churning goaltenders, and I mean they're about to do it again, except yeah. Holby's going to walk in free agency. Yeah, I mean, they've taken multiple first and second round picks from the Avs alone, let alone the rest of the league with their goaltender situation. So, yeah. In five years, if our goalies don't work out, we can just trade for Samsonov. <laughs> Pretty much, man. When he starts to get to UFA and Washington's like, well, we can't pay him, the Avs are like, well, we can. We'll just yeah. give you more picks. It's fine. <laughs> Keep the relationship going. It's all good. Hey. They've even expanded now with the Burakovsky pick. Who knows who's next? Um, okay, so starting to move on down the list a little bit here. Where does the conversation start about a guy that could realistically fall to the abs? Is it Lapierre, who Bob has at 15? Because Hockey Prospect does have him at 27, by the way, and, and presumably this is just how you feel about the injury situation with the kid. Yeah, I'd say he's the first realistic one, but the thing is with the draft, they could start next year's CHL season. He could play 10 games and put up two points a game and magically jump to the top 10. So that's a little bit of a twist that could happen in this draft. Or he could have put up three points in 10 games or get another injury and drop to like a third round. So he's the true wild card of this draft for me. Okay. AJ, I know it was someone you, <laughs> you were targeting a little bit potentially for the Avs. Yeah, and it just... It just doesn't sound like it's going to happen because somebody's going to fall in love with the talent. And yeah, I mean, we even saw it with a guy like Ryan Merkley, you know, who had yeah, like serious, serious Red concerns plagues. and top 20 pick. 
So I'm, I'm thinking if, especially, you know, Nathan brings up a great point that if they get into the CHL season next year before this draft, and it looks likely that that's going to happen, then some, some of these kids are going to beginning of October. Yeah. Right. They're going to have an opportunity, you know, they're going to have a little bit of an extra chance to, to push that, that, that they missed out on in the spring. And it could, it could wildly change some of these rankings which is why it's so weird to me that the NHL team seems so insistent on being like, our lists are finished. Like, why? <laughs> you guys have, what is it, the end of June? You're going to have another four full months until the draft. Why are you guys insisting on finishing this process now just because it's what you're accustomed to? I don't get it. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to take our first period break. So it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of us here at DNVR. Whether you want your Avalanche Amber, your Colorado Core, your Hop Peak IPA, or any others of their dozens of beers out there. I think AJ was was drinking the Mountain Beach the other day, was it? Uh, you can get all of them down at their farmhouse in Littleton and get $5 off when you use code DNVR and schedule your pickup. You can even grab lunch or a meal if that's what you're looking for. And if you can't make it out there you can always head over to any local davidson's grocery store gas station even they have breckenridge brewery on the shelves here in colorado and to be honest you can find some of their beer most places around the country so if you haven't tried them yet now is the time to jump on the wagon and give it a go and we also now have sports betting here in colorado through DraftKings sportsbook the number one sports betting app in the country at least for these places that it is in fact legal. Nathan, do, is sports betting legal in ca- in Canada? I don't actually know. I think so. I don't pay attention, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if it's, it's legal- one of those things, dude, that like it became legal and it was like that wasn't that wasn't oh, right. already yeah, legal. That was illegal. Oh. Like, I, I bet with my friends, but I don't use an app or anything. Yeah, like, right. Everyone like, is totally doing it anyway, <laughs> right? Like maybe not through an online website or anything. But the great thing about DraftKings is they have all of that set up. You can put your funds in or withdraw them at your pleasure whenever you feel like it. They're all set up in the United States, so it's none of that offshore sketchiness or, or anything like that. And when you sign up for a limited time, you can get up to a one thousand dollar sign up bonus this week we're going to have action from golf to european soccer all of that's going to be covered even russian table tennis i've told you about it before they have coverage of absolutely everything so get in on it while you still can go to draftkings.com slash sportsbook or go on your phone and download that top rated app today must be 21 or older colorado only bonus comprises of a first deposit bonus and first bet match each up to 500 dollars. deposit bonus requires 25x playthrough restrictions apply see draftkings.com slash sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 second period of the dnvr avalanche podcast we were talking about ryan merkley and to be honest Picking someone like him feels a little bit like a gambling problem to me. You're, you're taking a bet on a guy, and the closest comparison that I've seen this year to a similar situation is Noel Gunler. Him and Jeremy Poirier are the two, like, you're swinging for the fences. Gunler, another one who has a pretty wide range. Bob has him ranked at 28. Hockey Prospect has him ranked all the way up at 17. Uh, the talent is is evident. The dude has an NHL caliber shot. 
I know there's a team in the NHL that has them in the top 10. Uh, in the top 10. Okay. So that's why I reacted the way that I did when you brought him up is because it's like the range of the range on this kid is. So someone's going to take a chance on this kid. basically. It, maybe like you, you never know. You know, just depending depends on, on how the board falls. Of course. How many other teams have him ranked like that? How many of them have him where Bob has him? Yep. So I'm yeah, I am. That's that's a dude that I'm good if he have to stay away from that on draft day. I don't think Same. he'll get to wherever they pick. To be honest, but you know, like, hey, if if he have to pick 31st and he's sitting there, it's like, meh. I wouldn't mind the tit chance on an upside swing there. Versus even years they tend to go safe with Joe's yeah. Kelt and those types obliquely, unfortunately. Even years, yeah. Noel Gunler would not be that. That's for sure. <laughs> Try and break the even year curse. Couch <laughs> trying all on his own. Yeah. Like, I guess if you're gonna swing, swing for the fences. Is that the take here? <laughs> depends who's there. Okay. All right. Well, Gunler. It always does. It's always the answer. Uh, yeah. Well, unfortunately, in this business, that <laughs> unless you have a crystal ball, that is the correct yeah. answer. Yeah. Um. Since you are from up there in Saskatchewan and all that, I know I, we've talked about this on my other podcast that we haven't done in a while, talking out our abs. Connor Zary ranked 22nd by Bob McKenzie. Nathan, I know you think he should go higher than that. So the floor is yours to, to tell us why. Well, he should go top 10, but he's this year's Bo Horvat. The only His skating is this one weakness. He's only about average. He's a little choppy there, but incredibly smart, super competitive. Unbelievable playmaker, and he has that nastiness to his game. Born leader. Like, there's nothing other than his game. There's nothing not to love about the kid. All right. I mean, I can I can get behind it. I Certainly, if he's there around the abs pick, he's someone I'd be super interested in. I'd kind of written it off because I didn't expect him to get out of yeah. the teens. But. If he's there at 20, I'm trading whatever I can realistically to try and get up there. Okay. All right. I can I can get behind that. It's the as we've kind of talked about whether it, it's Zary or, or not, and when we'll get into some of these other guys in the Avs range in a little bit, but realistically defensemen rise and there's a very good chance that there isn't one where the Avs pick. So if you're if you have your pick of the litter of these forwards in Relatively, the abs range is is Zary your number one target, and and who else are you looking closely at? Yeah, like Zary's a pipe dream for me, but if he's there, he'd definitely be the number one. But uh, Rodion Amirov and Ridley Gregg and Jake Neighbors are the three. Well, Amirov's not quite realistic, but you never know with the Russian factor. But those are the three who I'd be targeting. Okay. So what's the what's the sell on Jake Neighbors? Because this is a guy I've had a million conversations with. Yeah. And it's it always comes back to well, what's the offense look like? Because everything else feels solid, but is that is it really like quote unquote like first round upside? Yeah, I think he's a mix between Matt Calvert, Gabe Landeskog. Like in between there is realistically what I'd expect from him, like a forty point two way winger, kind of like Cout. He's a born leader. His skating's only about average, so he will need to work on that. But smart player, uh, lunch pail type. High character kid like the wise blats i'm not sure if you've read that story about him and neighbors but he's a great kid and 
he's more of a playmaker, but he does have a good shot. He just needs to shoot more. And he's a thick frame of Lasko body where he plays that power game, which the Avs do need a bit of. And he's my type of player. Like, I love the two-way power forwards. Those are my – that's my catnip when it comes to draft prospects. <laughs> we, all, we all have a thing, man. Yeah. We all have a thing. <laughs> I mean, I can usually get behind power forwards, but I just don't I, – I see someone higher on my list being there compared to neighbors when it comes to the Avs pick. I mean, yeah, again, yeah. we don't know. The Avs could be picking – 20 or they could be picking 31 when it when the time comes yeah. but one other thing is like it's kind of an idealist scenario but he'd be a perfect fit with new hook kind of plays that matt boldy style and when what new hook took off is when they put boldy on his wing and boldy could play like that landeskog role and take on the defensive responsibility oh, then yeah, new hook could take on them they could take on the mckinnon role <laughs> so even as a 40 point player you see him with the second line upside then if you're playing him along new hook like he's like a mid-six type but he can play second line like that type. All right, so JT Comfer, but the defense everyone thinks JT Comfer has. Yeah. And a physical edge and, yeah, leadership. <laughs> All right. So poor man's Landeskog. Yeah, that's what I said, like Calvert, Landeskog in between their type. Yeah. I, I, just, I, like the, I like just how translatable it is because what he's going to do, it doesn't need to change. It's not... It's not. This isn't like a, a guy like uh, Amirov where we're talking about. Okay, what's he look like when he doesn't have, you know, oceans of space to to yeah, be fancy yeah. and, and dance around with the puck? What's it look like when he's in a tighter checking uh, type of league? We already know, and he's already successful doing what he does. I just don't know. My only really con- my only real concern is that you're you could be drafting uh, a hard like bottom six type. Like when uh, Boston took Trent Frederick a couple years ago and they were like, he's our third line center. And everybody was like, ooh, really? And then, you know, they did it again last year with John Beecher. And it just seems like it it, it seems like that's almost too safe. Like it. it oh, it's very even year. Pack. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> The one benefit with Amiro is though he could stay in Russia for two, maybe even three years and bypass the AHL, which has kind of claimed what a lot of lives in the Al's prospect system. That yeah, I mean I, it's getting to be less true every year, yeah. but sure. It well the other interesting thing is like assuming the next steps happen with Kovalenko, there's kind of a path to follow there now, right? As as Kovalenko starts to transition and, and presumably after next year gets his contract with the avalanche and comes over, you can kind of set and forget an Amarov on this, on the same type of path. Yeah. I mean, it kind of just depends what he wants to do with the organization right. wants to do with him, how willing he is to come over. Right. But, but I mean, my only real come over, you just do it. But my only real concern with, with going the Russian route again is that, um, they they haven't put proper infrastructure in place for those guys to succeed. You need you need to give them uh, a life coach, a babysitter, a something. You know, you need to help them with the culture shock of coming over and transitioning. You know, Andre Miranov was obviously wildly unhappy. Yeah. Igor just bailed on almost a yeah. hundred thousand dollars because he didn't know what was coming next, and he knew he was going to be down on the Eagles' depth chart, and he wasn't going to make the abs. So he just turned around and said, I don't need $100,000. I'm going back to Russia. 
you know, like these kids, they're, they're lonely and they're having, they're having culture shock problems and they're not translating very well. And the organization I don't think is doing quite enough to help them. They need to baby those guys a little bit because it is different coming from Russia than it is from Finland or Sweden or even Germany. Those, those guys are all, they all grow up learning English. They all grow up with just a different kind of culture. Yep. Russia is way more insular and the culture shock coming across to the United States is way more severe and they aren't doing enough for those guys. We saw like Martin Kaut had Pavel Francouz. How huge was that for him? Yep. You know, I'm not going to, not going to give Frankie all the credit in the world. If, if Kaut turns into a solid NHLer who goes through the Eagles, but like in terms of transit, like these are, these are 18 year olds moving halfway across the world and trying to learn how to be professionals when they're still like just giant kids having someone to talk to in your native tongue like right like having somebody that can help you transition into being an adult how many of us would have handled it well if we were 18 one day and we were in we were doing our thing at home and then the next day we were out into the world not in college where things are getting paid for and whatever like where we're expected to be professionals and and do all of this you know, and and have a have a job and perform at a high level and blah blah blah. How many of us would have handled that well? Just being dropped on our own. You need some help, and that's my concern with the Russian route again. Like Kovalenko, two years and then he's going to come over. Pretty familiar with the United States yeah, already. Like he a has different some set of concerns in the country there. for sure. Different set of concerns there. That's mostly like, does he want to? But. I'm not I'm not so like against the abs development program over the last few years because I think the results are getting better, but I am concerned about things that come with it. Yeah, I am concerned about how they've handled the Russian kids because they've invested in a lot of Russians who are now leaving without a high rate of success. And so I'm I'm concerned that they're not doing enough for those guys. I agree with you. But I will say, if they were to take Amarov in the first round, that's a little bit of a different situation than taking guys in the fifth. Where oh, totally. You're but you still have to take care of these kids. You absolutely do. But there are steps here where, with a first rounder, there's a good chance they're not even going to come over unless you're dropping them into the NHL. Um, and there are other factors where, let's be honest, the NHL team just has straight up better facilities than their minor league teams do and more opportunities to bring in things like translators and stuff like that. Now, should the Avs absolutely take care of that for the Eagles as well? Yes, they should. But the situations, the, I don't know what to call them. There are more things already in place for the NHL teams to take care of those guys a little bit better. And also with the vets, it's calling in practice for them to take in those teenagers and kind of guide them where AHL, they're kind of just thrown to the wolves. Well, and, in a and, way, not a completely. No, way. absolutely. But again, that's a little bit of a tough situation where a couple of years ago, you bring in a Russian, Varley's right there to, to be that guy. Now Varley's gone. It, certainly, as things have progressed, it seems like Zadorov might be on his way out of the organization. And what was a team with a lot of Russians and a solid Russian pipeline. We've seen at the top level, the Russians pretty much disperse. I guess they have Nachushkin now, but it's, I mean, Nachushkin's what, I guess the only 24 too. So that's fair enough, but it, it hasn't maintained the pipeline has, has kind of 
shown some cracks to say the least. Yeah, there's been some atrophy over time here. And like with Kovalenko and Jaravalov, you're hoping these are two guys that we think are going to get ELCs in the next year and are going to come across. You know, you need to take care of those guys. All, all I'm saying is that they need to they need to build better infrastructure to help these guys deal with the transition from Russia, specifically Russia, to the United States. Uh, because we've seen we've seen them, you know, Kout is being successful. We saw Miko was fine. Now, obviously, Miko's on a different level of talent, but we've seen him personality wise be able to fit in and adjust just fine. It's just different. I would like to see them. I would like to see them make more of a concerted effort to. Uh, but I don't like the word like baby has such a negative connotation, but to just sort of take care of the Russian kids a little. It, and that's my concern with them drafting one in the first should, round. No, is that, I think they they absolutely should baby them off the ice. Let them go be superstar hockey players and focus on that. And help them take care of everything else that they need to get. Yeah, care. get them. You know, get a get a get a a tutor for them that they could spend so that they're learning English. One of the issues with with the Igor was that it never really felt he was like, studying English by himself on the bus. Like right, like it, let's help the guy out here. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's. <laughs> I told y'all we were going to get on the page. ice. Yeah. All, all, all off the ice, obviously, because on the ice, uh, Amarov is, uh, he's very fun to watch. And I would be very excited to add him to, to their forward core. And uh, a guy that you could easily see next to Alex Newhook in a couple of years on the second line as a very dynamic uh, combination. Cool. Okay. Cool indeed. Well said. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> either way. We can take our second period break here as it is time to talk about MSU Denver online. My alma mater, well, MSU Denver. I did take some online classes, also took some some classes on their campus, which you can do as well when they open back up for all of that. They put a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. We have two of our very own taking classes at DNVR in Ali Monroy and Harrison Wind. We're taking classes, so if you want to jump in and learn with them online, you can absolutely do that. Reach out to them if you have any questions. One of MSU's mantras is learn to lead the change. MSU Denver services and they believe in value without compromise. If even if you're taking a gap year or you're looking to get back into school, they will bring you in, get you back up to speed, and even in some cases, give you credits for your work outside of the classroom. So give MSU Denver Online a try today. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Rudo, AJ, and Nathan. As we continue looking down this list, you've picked your favorites, but we have not talked about a number of the guys that realistically are slated to go in the Avs range, specifically two other players from the DEL in John Jason Paterka and Lucas Reichel. The DEL is, has always been a hard league for me to get a handle on. You don't have things like the U18s to view these guys. Where do you stand on them? How do you try and come up with a reasonable expectation out of these kids? WJCs? 
Yeah. That's it? So you're you're, <laughs> you're basing your entire this, thing on like four games? This year? In this situation? And you're willing to make a first-round pick on that? Not, not just on WJCs, but that's that's the only film that you have on him against his peer group. Yep. Otherwise, he's in the DEL and you're you're projecting. So... Um, I'm, that's really it, man. Like that's, that's kind of the tricky part of this year's draft class in a normal year. You, we would have a little bit more information, but it's not a normal year. We don't have that info. And so you're going to have to throw a dart somewhere. All right. So that's what we're doing. We're throwing darts at the end of the first round. Got it. Isn't that kind of always what it's like? I mean, I, sometimes I like to think they're at least throwing it with one eye open. Some teams certainly look like it. <laughs> Some, you know, the, the better teams that draft and develop and all that, then they, they feel like a cheat code. No argument there. Um, you also, other, have... Nathan, other Nathan, how do you feel about the DEL kids? <laughs> I just sort of hijacked the question. Yeah. Well, they're kind of in that similar like Amarov neighbors where they're mid six likely. I, I like their skill set, but there's not a huge upside there. There's a mix between upside and safety. I wouldn't mind them. It's just what's the development path of them? Going to keep them in the DEL for a year, then go Liga, or are you going to bring them to the AHL? Or I'd be curious to see what path you'd want to bring them in on. Well, and this is where not knowing the future of the AHL season makes yeah. uh, trying to decide on that path quickly really difficult. Yeah. I think uh, just for the purposes of this this calendar year, whoever you if you draft any European, you just leave them be. Don't bother coming over. Like it's let them sort it out over there. It's so yeah. weird and and out of uh, out of normal uh, range that just don't even bother. Let them stay where they're comfortable. You're fine leaving any of these guys over there for a year anyway, and that's probably the the best path. Okay, uh, I'm comfortable with that, but it would certainly be. Even for a team like the Avs, who has drafted for many, many, many leagues over the past handful of years, that yeah. would be kind of a new excursion for them. Um, so seems like that's basically it, right? Yeah. The, yeah. Is that the only league they haven't drafted from? Like we've seen them draft from Czech, yeah. Czech and Czech two. Yeah, right. <laughs> so Ontario High School, which I never yeah. thought would happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, D is it. That's it. Uh, we got our favorites now. We know we we're we're on to them. Av's got to complete the uh, every league drafted award well, or whatever. <laughs> NLA as well. I think they need one from there. Yeah, yeah. You're probably. I don't <laughs> think they have one from the Swiss League, but I don't um, think they're going to either. Given, yeah. Well, given the year. You know, but that's that's for next year. Yeah, <laughs> go find the Swiss guy in 2021, and you'll know. Um, we also have the opposite of that. Could the Avs go directly back to the well? They have a lot of ties to the Brandon organization. Ridley Gregg is right there, in that relative range. Another forward, because realistically, other than my pipe dream of William Wallander, there's not just not going to be a D-man there. Um, so. That we like. That we like. Yes, yeah. there will be plenty of O'Rourke <laughs> yeah. and, and all of that. But. Oh, yes, Ryan O'Rourke, the superstar. <laughs> Tyler Clevin, you got him too. Mm-hmm. They sure will exist. Uh, but Greg, the reason he stands out to me is not necessarily the player, but the Avs organization. The history of taking from Brandon, whether it be Ty Lewis signed as a free agent, Luca Burzan signed there, having 
ex-Brandon front office people in their organization. Even year, is that just the easy pick? Plus there's a bit of nepotism as his dad's a scout for Philly, so he has the NHL ties. Okay. All right. So, yeah, so we'll... pers- Personally, I love the kid, so I'd be happy with the pick. It's just if he makes it to our pick. You think there's? You think he has a good chance of going earlier? Because I, I think right around the Amps pick is reasonable for him. Somebody's got to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Who's gonna fall? Is if we can answer that question, then uh, we're done here. Yeah. <laughs> pick pick this year's Valeno and just call it a day, kind of thing. Yeah. I'm, well, <laughs> like we were having this conversation last night. You know, it was Valeno two years ago, and last year what was it? Ryan Suzuki got to like twenty nine yeah. or thirty. Yeah. He and it was like super far, and I was like. Oh my God! Someone yeah. take it. <laughs> Didn't Nolan Foot get drafted ahead of him? I think he yeah. was one pick ahead. Yeah, and it was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> it happens every year. There's always yeah. one, if not multiple, people that just tumble down the list, and it, you get in. You get into a weird situation with that. Uh, if it, they fall, some you go, okay, whatever. He just wasn't number one on people's boards. But as players continue yeah. to keep falling. You have to start asking the question, why? Right, like, when it's what, am seven I missing? or eight picks in a row, and you're right. like, okay. So with the Merkleys, it's obvious, because there's obvious character sure. issues, but for some yeah. kids, you don't know the behind the scenes. Well, and with, like, even with Merkley, we knew he wasn't going, like, top 15, so it, it, he didn't even really fall that far. Right. No. Like, there was conversations in that draft year about Merkley where teams straight up had them on their do not draft lists. Yeah. Where it was like, is this guy going in the first round at all? And then of course the sharks did pull the trigger, but (laughs) good luck guys. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's just an interesting situation to where it's so hard to, to weigh the benefits on a follower and figure out, what their value actually is because yeah, from a straight up skill standpoint, you can say, all right, he should have been picked X picks ago, but there's usually a reason why he's fallen. Are there, uh, um, are there any guys in this that you really look at and you say, this guy has all of the classic hallmarks of a guy who's going to fall 10 or 15 spots. Other than Lapierre, just with the injury concerns. You have Amiro, like, you never know what the Russian concerns. Sometimes they fall, yeah. sometimes they don't. Uh, Gunler, supposedly there's some character issues. I've never heard what they are. But skating kind of seems like the biggest concerns, like Tyson Forrester, who I like him, but there's a bit of skating issues. Then maybe someone like Neighbors, if they don't like his skating, or Zary, he's at 22 because of his supposed skating. So skating kind of seems like the number one reason why, other than character, a player will unexpectedly fall. All right. I I think AJ and I are both on the, in the same boat as that one in the modern NHL. Yeah, just don't be a bad skater. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I can't. It's the drafting of bad skaters where it's like, yeah. They've taken this chance, you know, they 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 tried it with Cam Morrison and the skating just never really developed and now 4 years later they had a top 50 pick that they're not even going to sign. Yeah. So, you know, it's they're it's just it, You just can't take a bad skater again. There you do it. Put that on a wall and, and frame it. You can't take a bad skater. AJ Hayfley. Word. 
pure poetry. Should be in uh, every team's draft room. <laughs> All right. As we we're kind of wrapping up the list here, just kind of looking around, looking in this second round, the opposite of a faller. Do you think there's anyone who could be considered a steal or a potential riser, depending on you know what happens with the CHL and, and all of that? I could see a team kind of reaching on Perot just because of his skating ability, but he doesn't use it as well as he should. So if a team really believes in that skating ability and correcting it, I could see them take him higher than expected. Okay. So Perot is the one the one you have that, that you could see as a steal or a riser. And then same, like as AJ mentioned earlier with Gunler, some teams have him high and some teams have him as a like second or third rounder. It kind of depends on... Hard to call that a riser yeah. or a faller, right? Yeah. Because he could go anywhere. <laughs> depends where he goes on draft day. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like, it's like trying to figure out this year's Philip Johansson or uh, Jason Bern- uh, Jacob Bernard Docker. Yeah. Like, who's that guy who's like solidly in the second round mix that jumps up and gets drafted 25th and you're like, my, my. Well, this they is, really like a lot him. of belief. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then like um, uh, Yan Meshack as well. Like the Twitter scouts all love him and have him top fifteen, but all the actual scouts see him as yeah. like an early second, which yeah. is what I, I agree with. I'm I'm pretty iffy on him at like the ads pick even. But yeah. yeah, that would be a very like board dependent. We'll see. It's I do think it's really interesting the way that uh, as the the NHL draft has gained in popularity over the last five years, you have a lot more of us who are on uh, on social media talking about it year round and looking at different different players and having these conversations and how that split starts to happen. Like I I look at you know I'm pretty heavily involved with the NFL draft stuff, and that draft Twitter usually ends up in the at least neighborhood of like what happens on actual draft day relative consensus. Yeah. yeah, Like for, for most of the guys, there are some surprises here and there, but the NHL one is still, it's so split. Like the, the people who comprise like NHL draft Twitter, I guess, if you want to call it that they, what they value, it's like, it's like all like there's no concerns about size. It's like, (laughs) Oh, this guy has got all the skill in the world skills like speed and creativity and great stick handling like let's oh yeah like all the flashy stuff and and it gets way overvalued i think on and on nhl draft twitter because none of us have jobs on the line it's really easy for us to love seth jarvis and be like oh yeah draft him eighth overall you know and then you actually get on draft day and you're like if i screw this up because i think so much of seth jarvis i could lose my job it's AJ actually brought up this point a while ago when he was super mad that I said the NFL was one of the hardest drafts to do just because the <laughs> jobs are on the line. But he he brings up the point of there is so much more projecting to do in hockey because in in the NFL you are taking players from the second best football league in the world. You, yeah. you plug and play them, right? Exactly. And they've also they're they're three years removed from high school by right. by rule they are adults that can illegally drink in the united states like, right like there's there's a reason that like there, there's been a couple of like draft day like some of these guys get drafted when they're like 19 because their education route was all like the best very, and that made yeah. them more valuable because they have an extra 
like two years of tread that they have on the tire that, that other guys won't. Yep. A lot of guys in the NFL get drafted like 22 or 23 already. And in the NHL, you're talking about 17, 18-year-old kids. You've got to try and guess what these guys are going to be like physically, emotionally, all of that five years down the road. Well, and it's not only that, you know, the college kids are playing against other future NFLers pretty much every single game, especially when it comes to the the big schools like Alabama yeah. and, and things like that. When you're taking Kale McCarr out of junior A, it, there might be like two other NHLers in that entire league. Yeah, if, uh... he, that, that dude was smoking like the future of Saskatchewan's postal service. Right. Like that dude, that dude was creating like lifelong memories for a bunch of customer service workers to be like, oh, I remember when Kale McCarr embarrassed me sometime, you know, like <laughs> that's it's way different. Um, and, and that's why the NHL draft is so difficult is that you're projecting kids. Yeah. And also the different leagues, too. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, the, the the whole rabbit hole of NHLE is wild to have watched it evolve over the years, which is just a, a supposed to be an all-in-one points metric for how leagues compare to the NHL. And I I don't mind the metric as long as you take it in context. I don't – I will tell you this. I – not to knock any of the work that any of those guys do because that's not what I'm doing. I have never once looked at that number and and taken it and had it had an impact on any of an evaluation I've ever done. Definitely fair. I I look at it and I think, oh, that's interesting. We'll see how that turns out because we don't have any track record of that that metric providing any value. We don't know what it looks like yet. It's uh, there are certainly some holes in the metric as well. Having actually looked into it. You just have to understand what it's representing and what it means because it only accounts for players that actually made the NHL. So if you have a player good enough, maybe it gives you a decent estimation of what they might be. But mm-hmm. there's a very real chance that a player you draft out of X League never makes it and then that NHL he meant nothing. So the, the game itself has evolved so much even in the past 10 years that it's hard yeah. to put stock in those old numbers. Right. Every year there's a new all-in-one metric that people are trying to come up with, and none of them have (laughs) – right. So it's – let alone the rule changes and and who even knows what's going to happen with the next CBA. Yeah. Well, the game evolves so quickly. I mean, look at at the way teams evaluate evaluate defensemen in 2020 versus 2015. You know, 20, 2015, look who was the first defenseman taken was Noah Hannafin. Yep. If you were if you were to take the 2015 class and drop him into the 2020 draft, and like not knowing how they all turned out, Provorov and Wierenski would probably go even higher, and Hannafin would probably seriously drop. Because He's that ability... Sanderson in a way, but yeah. Like the ability to push the puck and, and drive play is just... It's, it's taken on such value... In, in the draft, if we as we've seen the last couple of years, you know, but uh, like Dobson and Bouchard, you know, sure they got they got taken top ten, but they weren't like like they were like the old archetype of what like a top defensive prospect looked like, and now teams are like, oh, we'll take we'll take Quinn Hughes and Adam Boakvist, yep. you know, like they are they want these guys that can fly up and down the ice and push push play. Uh, and and everything is cyclical, 
So you know that eventually the Snyders and the Goulets are going to go around and be the guys that end up being valued. It's just a matter of trying to find the sweet spot in that cycle and always be right on the cutting edge of it. You know, I think the Avs did well because they were on the cutting edge with Gerard and McCarr. They're set up for the next several years. Now, if they if they switch, and I think that's what they've been trying to do with guys like Hellison and yep. Josh Anderson, is they're trying to they're trying to find those guys without using. They just jump the gun a little bit, maybe top with, top top, with top picks Anderson, well, but yeah. And like sometimes you can just get it wrong. Sometimes you just have a bad evaluation. Definitely true as well. Okay. Try and draft and develop their own Ian Cole instead of spending what four point five or four point two. Exactly. <laughs> well, because how much the, the look at they've had Nikita Zadorov for a thousand years and he still doesn't make what Ian Cole does. Yeah. It goes to show you the value of internal contract wise. Yeah. How you can how how cost effective developing your own guys actually can be versus just being like we'll, we'll fill our hole in UFA. At some point, you definitely have to do that. But yep. Ian Cole is a perfect example. Like that guy, you need to find the next Ian Cole somewhere in the draft at some point. You'll have to be able to find that dude to be like a rock solid second pairing, number four, whatever. And you, that way you don't have to pay $4 million for him. And that those are the auxiliary pieces that help you win cups, either because they're rock solid or because it frees up money for you to go get that extra piece or whatever. Because you save, if you could save a million here and 500K there, a million and a half there and three million on that guy. Like all of that adds up and into oh hey, that's five players that you can go out and go get now. Yep. And once you have to start paying McCard nine million and Lamas new contract kicks in, you're gonna need those cheap plug and play guys. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the like if you develop your own guys, like and when they get expensive, you have to make tough tough choices. Zadorov being a perfect example. Okay. The rubber has met the road with his contract and sort of the competition. And he's, it's no longer, it doesn't matter what we're paying him because we're nowhere near the cap. Now it matters. And so they have, that's why, it's why now that they are in this, this portion of the draft and we expect that they will be here for the next few years, this is huge. This is like test number one for them to see if they can actually do this. Can they actually identify and develop talent from this area of the draft? And I mean, let's face it. If you want to extend your cup window, it's you have to do so through the draft. Yep. You Um, have to get a couple of these at least kind of right. Yep. 100%. I guess we're going to close out the show here then as as we've kind of been all over the place. So Nathan, if you want to shout anything out, at least plug your Twitter or or something, the floor is yours to, to go for it. Well, don't tweet much now until next year's Banton draft starts, but. Uh, NC Chapman 15 on Twitter and I do a bunch of the 14 and 15 year olds so in five years time four years time we'll be talking about these kids all right (laughs) my dog really liked that shout out apparently (laughs) so uh, either way we're gonna get out of here for the week week I don't even know when this will air we're gonna get out of here for this episode Uh, thank you for watching as always Nathan Whatever the abs end up doing in the draft, what would it be? It would be game-changing if they took Connor Zary. There we go. He nailed it. <laughs> game-changing, just like the Strava Craft CBD-infused coffee. It has really changed lives. The CBD is non-psychoactive, and it's been known to help with long-term migraines, 
I, IBS? IBS, that's the one. The bowel one. The upset stomach one. I, that's like putting it terribly. Either way, Strava Craft helps with that a lot. AJ doing the full face palm on that one. Rudo, not a medical uh, not, not a here. doctor. Definitely not a doctor right here. Uh, Strava Craft, you can pick it up in and around Denver at a number of locations if you want to try before you buy. And when you do decide to buy, you can get 20% off when you use code DNVR20 at checkout online. You can get it in K-Cups, Whole Ground, Bean, Whole Bean, Ground. Yeah. I don't know. I've lost it at this point. An hour of prospect talk has driven me crazy. But thank you for listening, and we will catch you on the next one. The NPR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. The NPR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. The NPR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. The NPR Avalanche with Hayfully. Hey, Hayfully. Hey,